Welcome to How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? My name is Rebecca, and this is the podcast where I interview my friends and peers to figure out, well, how the fuck they got to be so confident. In this episode, I chat with talent agent Tamer Asan. We talk about how sports tie into confidence, learning from your losses, the benefits of routine on your mental state, and so much more. This is How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? with guest Tamer Asan. Thanks so much for chatting with me. Sure. So can we, let's just jump right into it, shall let's we? Let's do it. Yeah. Um, what does confidence mean to you? Like, what is that word? What does that word mean to you? you no, know, like, if you had asked my young self, it would have been ego and attitude and, you know, demeanor and, you know, different ideas and everything now you ask me and it's completely different thing it's just being prepared and being ready and being um you know on top of things and having a, a goals and and you know even like teaching with like with leia you know just don't slouch and stand up tall and like things like yeah. that that you know, it's, it's, life's changed so much from being confident and having confidence to trying to instill confidence and being like, man, this is such a weird dynamic and idea, the term of confidence and everything. That's what really set me off about your, your podcast is just like, how do you, how do you instill confidence into somebody? You feel like you have so much confidence yourself. Like growing up, I always, you know, not, I didn't always have confidence. I was, you know, I didn't even learn how to speak English till I was two. And like, and confidence was a, it came by real easy when I got into seventh grade in organized sports when mm. all the bullies and all the people that used to pick on me and my brother realized that these boys can ball and everything changed. Really? In seventh grade, everything changed. The, popularity groups i mean the social groups and all that kind of stuff making the 18 being a starter you know and then going into high school and like high school was a complete joke for us because small town oklahoma you didn't even have to go to class your football your offensive line your offensive receivers coach was your history teacher your defensive backs coach was your english teacher and like it's like as long as your name was in the paper and you you know were putting up points on the board for the team, she didn't. They didn't give a shit about what? school. That's wild to me. It was. It was. It was normal to me. I didn't think it was any difference. I had like seventy-seven absences in, in two different classes. Like the class right before lunch was a coach, and the class right before practice, sixth or seventh hour, was a coach. So like, they're like, yeah, go to the gym or go to film, you know, or whatever. Do what you got to do. Just make sure you're at practice and ready to go. Wait, and so you played go. football or basketball? Yeah, I played, I played all of them. I played football, basketball, and then I was forced to do soccer and track in the fall By because him. my football coaches. So like my receiver coach was the track coach and my defensive backs coach was the soccer coach. So to keep my ass out of trouble in the fall or in the spring, they made it, they made me play. And, and it was good. It was staying in shape and speed training and everything. And um, yeah. And a lot of confidence comes with, you know, being looked at as your peers. Because if, you know, I was probably one of the fastest guys at the school and um, speed kills. And, um, you know, from from sports, it really defined who I was, am, am who I was going to be and what direction I wanted to go. And, and I don't know, it was always different. And now the confidence level is so weird. Like my confidence... I guess I treat it the same with work, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, when I go to work, uh, you know, wake up in the morning and go to the gym and do all the things right. Then when I put on my suit and put up my tie, it's like my game day uniform. And then when I get to work, everything in that office, everything that comes in is a game to me. It's just something I want to win, something that I want to, I want to be successful at. And um, if I don't win that day, and I learned this later in life, is I have better have learned something from losing or not winning and mm-hmm. do better than, you know, and it was just kind of this mindset that I've had ever since I got to LA 
and you know was in the mail room it was just a mindset of of wanting to win and there was nothing that was going to stop me from becoming an agent there was nothing that was going to get in my way you know all the times that i felt insecure all the final times that i felt defeated and hated la and hated being in an assistant of you know it all paid off you know it was a mentality thing it yeah. was having to get through it having to overcome this types of bullshit all the time just to be where you're at and i don't know confidence is a it's a very subjective thing because you can have confidence in the littlest of things and the biggest of things and totally you know and i'm sure it, it, it changes over time like you were talking about and, and we'll get to like how it changed when you became a father but right. i want to start back you said you didn't learn english until you were two is that right till second grade Se oh till second grade yeah. okay so okay i was born i was born in cairo egypt um my brother was born there and then we moved to the u.s uh, i was four he was two i uh yeah i had trouble speaking english up until about second grade and then it became fluent and um yeah it was middle uh, elementary school middle school was sixth grade was really rough like me and my brothers were probably the only brownish people there's black and whites and latins but no like you know egyptians or no right. middle eastern people out there so we we couldn't fit in anywhere we had couldn't make friends i mean i remember me and hesh um hiding in the bathrooms during recess because we were being picked on i remember us um hiding on the side of the buildings uh when it was time for my mom to come pick us up and then us running to the van and getting in and being so frustrated with her that she didn't have the door open when we were there because we had to get out of there and just it just hated it yeah like i don't think our our uh confidence was really high yeah. at that age at all we didn't I think the whole goal was to try to fit in and I think it was it I mean we would play in the backyard and we'd play like neighborhood kids but no one in school ever cared about no one ever would look both way our way or anything and I think Hashem would have the same he's two years younger than me so I think he kind of went through that till he got to seventh grade too yeah um, that's but, that is I mean being an adolescent in middle school is hard because of you know hormones and we, yeah. we don't know who we are as people and then add on top of that you know the fact that you were born in egypt and like you said there were black people and white people latinos but not like egyptians yeah. or middle eastern that's like another yeah. layer on top of like being different at a time when you want to fit in which i, I can yeah. imagine is so hard um yeah and how did you how did you overcome that? You said I'm assuming sports. I think seventh grade when when I told my mom I want to try out for the football team, she was like, no. And I was like, yeah. She was like, no. I was like, yeah, I'm doing this. And she's like, no. I'm like, yes, I want to. So she's like, fine, just go, just go, just go. And I'm like, all right, fine. Why you didn't she want you playing? Because I'm getting hurt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just getting hurt. Um, yeah, I have four concussions to my name and broken bones at the wazoo. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, it was the seventh grade. I think everything changed when we started playing in these. And I, for me specifically, because my brother's two years younger, when I started playing and everyone realized that, oh man, he's fast, you know, oh, and he can catch the ball. Oh, this is going to be great, you know. And then, and then just going through practices and then waiting for that day where they post the, the, the A team and the B team or the varsity or the junior varsity and, you know, seventh grade and stuff and making that team and, getting out on the field and just playing and winning and then think winning really started to be like oh shit i'm actually pretty decent at this we were winning you know and um and you know it's tiny it was just small and tiny and then eighth grade came around and made the a team again was a starter and then ninth grade came you know you jump into high school and everything changed because you're already on the football team you know you're already on the basketball team um, you know, put being a point guard on the basketball team in seventh and eighth grade. And I think our team lost two games in two years. I mean, it was, then we were just a fast break team. Our team was just set up of 
get the rebound, dish it out, get up down the court fa as fast as anybody else and make a layup. And we did that perfectly, you know, and then, and then when the crowds there cheering and all the, the cheerleaders in there and, and palm teams and everything are cheering for you, I think confidence was just instilled. I think it's a different mindset of going to school and being confident. But once I stepped on the field, that confidence level went up, you know, that Mamba mentality, as they be saying now, just, or beast mode or whatever you want. It just, you just knew you were going to dominate and you're going to kick the other team's ass. It was just there. Yeah. I mean, what, what did your coaches, because I think also I've talked to another person who was big into sports in high school, but he had like a really shitty coach. So, yeah. and that like really knocked his confidence down. Yeah. So did you have good coaching or like what was good coaches? We did have good coaches. All all around we had good coaches. And it's and it's hard to say what a good coach is, man, because all our coaches yelled at us. All our coaches berated us and destroyed our confidence every chance they could they could. But man, were they there to teach, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that the most valuable of lesson is which I had a hard time doing it was to learn, was to listen to what these people had to say and I think I think I um I think I got I got kicked out of a basketball game in the eighth grade because something the coach was wrong something was wrong with the coach with me and he didn't start me and I wasn't even the first guy off the bench. Turns out when the at the very towards the very end of the game when we were up, he wanted to put me in. And I have no idea. There was just a lack of communication. So I took my jersey off and I threw it at him and I just walked straight off the end of the bench. And it was towards the end of the year, and that was the last time I played basketball in eighth grade. And it's like, fuck this guy. I don't, you know, just, and I never to this day knew why, you know? Yeah. Maybe that an attitude, but, um, but yeah. when you get, when, when you get into high school and it's Oklahoma and it's just, it's kind of like Texas high school football where it, football is everything, hmm. everything for them. Like it's all they care about. And so when you start playing, all the schools have great coaches. Um, hmm. And uh, the coaches have been there for years. There's never, oh, this coach just got hired. It's like, it's weird. You know, these coaches are, are 10 year, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. So they know what they're doing and they know how to coach. And no, yeah, I think all my coaches were pretty good. Track coaches and everything. So what happens when you lose? What happens to your confidence when you oh, don't win? Shit. The worst loser. But it's inevitable, right? We always, we always won, you know? And when you did lose... It was a shot. It was a shot to the heart. Like my parents would be like, they learned real quick. Did not talk to him for a couple of days. A couple of days. He, like he was, he did not like losing. Um, uh, yeah, it was not, it was not good. It was not fun. I just always knew I never wanted to feel, I never wanted to feel that feeling again. And it, after a couple of days, you'd get up and go at it again. And, go to practice and prepare for the next one. But it was losing sucked, especially in, in football, because you shits, the shit's in the paper. Like the whole town knows it, mm. you know? Then it wasn't just losing too. You know, if I dropped a ball, oh my God, I wouldn't, I could just, I could never let myself live it down. Re that's, an, that, that's, that's really hard. That's a lot of pressure yeah. to put on yourself as, yeah, as a fucking yeah, kid. During the, in the games, it was just like a mental mind job to where you just couldn't, you know, forget about and go on to the next play, you know, and like you learn that now and you teach these kids now, but you know, you know, 20 years, uh, 15 years ago, you just, I just didn't have that in me. It just, it got so into my head sometimes to where uh, the whole game would be ruined from one drop, even if we won, you know, and it was mm. such a personal kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I don't, uh, I don't like losing. That's for certain. <laughs> And it wasn't until later in life till I learned, you know, to where if you're not learning from the loss, then you're losing twice. And you don't, Ooh, sure don't that's big. you know, right? I'm writing that down. So then, so then when did you realize that like losing could help you learn? Um, probably college. In what respect? <laughs> it wasn't because, yeah. Was it in sports or? Yeah. So oh, see, I, I didn't, didn't know you played sports in college. 
So I'd taken, I'd, I'd been offered a basketball scholarship for a division two school, a uh, division three school, which I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. Um, I took a football and track scholarship at a division two school in my hometown and was just hot shit going in there. Just on top of the, you know, all state wide receiver, um, Jim Thorpe, all state, and then getting into college, um, was going through practice and stuff and I, I have to remember this vividly I saw this this dude over sitting at the table just had everything going for him his name was Didi Carter he was a um a sophomore wide receiver all-american wide receiver and was NFL bound right so I walked up to him in the in the mess hall and um where where we went, where in, in the cafeteria area and I was just and I straight up told him I was like I'm gonna take your spot it's just like, I'm going to be the receiver. And he started laughing at me. He started laughing at me and all his friends, all the other guys started laughing and everything. And he was just like, you know what? I'm not even mad. He's like, I respect that. I respect that. And from that day forward, he had taken me underneath his wing and helped me learn a lot of things when it came to college football. It's a completely different game when you're playing high school football and you think you're top shit. And then you go into the college football ranks and everyone's hot shit. You know, everyone's fantastic. Right. And Davey went on to play for the Oakland Raiders. And, um, you know, it was it was learning from him about how to be a college football player, how to be a professional at it. Because just watching him going to the gym, I thought I, I got there early. This guy's over there already catching balls, already done with his workout and ready to go. I thought I was leaving last. He was always the last one to leave. And it's just kind of stereotypes that you hear about these professional athletes. They were always the first in the gym and the last. Like he was the, the embodiment of that mindset. And it wasn't until my sophomore year until I really sunk in and took that idea and put it to my life of wanting to be the best because it wasn't going to be given to you like it was for me in high school. Right. You know, everyone's fast in college. Yeah. You know? That's, and a track huge, that's a huge transition though going yeah. from like being a big fish in a small pond to now yeah. you're all like equal and really really good yeah so you yeah, would say you're... like having him as sort of like a mentor was really helpful for you then yeah yeah no it was it was really helpful um i don't know man would he have ever talked to me if i didn't go talk shit to him in the first place probably not uh, probably not but you know you know, um, my freshman year of college also, um, uh, 9-11 happened. I think it was, uh, so we, had, I, I, had, I had gone to, to college in the summer and started practicing with the team then um, about what, September 11th, right? So maybe a month into college, 9-11 uh, happens. And that was awful because as a Brown person playing on the offensive side of the ball, and all the defensive guys want to get into your head, so they're calling you terrorists, and they're calling you Obama and uh, Osama, and you know, and and the whole world is going to to an end, you know, at that time. And Didi was there, talking shit back to him, just standing, you know, being there for me, and just making sure that after practice, when I'm we're walking back to the locker room and everything, that my <laughs> my ego is okay my consciousness is okay my feelings are okay you know coaches would call me into their office and be like are you all right because the defensive backs are all black guys right and they're all they're all their job is to disrupt and to get in our heads and when we when we would scrimmage and everything they were ruthless and they would do whatever it could they could say to get in their head and a lot of them are my friends now and a lot of them are call my friends now but going back thinking about that um time of diversity uh that shit sucked yeah that yeah. is and Didi was there Didi was there you know all the receivers you know we stand together and everything and but he was the all-american on the team so he was always talking shit back to them and always telling them you know covering for me and and looking over my shoulder and stuff like that and yeah it's crazy times how did you overcome that specific thing just i don't know it's hard to say now 
I kind of want to just say I just kept my head down and kept going. Um, mm -hmm. I knew it was tough. Did I, did I hate going to practice after that? Yeah, I think the whole world was kind of going through something that they hadn't gone through before. Um, I think I was in what? I was in sixth grade when the Oklahoma City bombing happened. Um, so I don't really know much about what the, the news and stuff was saying then, but I was old enough to understand when 9-11 happened and to feel, you know, the sadness of everyone, you know, to feel like that we just got attacked by terrorists. This is unreal, you know, and um, uh, it's just strange times, I guess. Did it like taint but, your love of football? No, not at all. Oh, no. that's interesting. No. No. So then you would say like... What's weird is like I never considered myself brown after seventh grade. I never considered myself a different ethnicity. I never looked at the blacks and the whites and the Latins and was like, oh, these are all different ethnicities, types of people. Because if you're on the team, you're a family, you're brothers, you know, you're there's no... there's The only thing that's separating you is you play offense or defense like, yeah. you know what I mean like yeah. when it comes to when it comes to sports I think you know a lot of people are like oh I don't see color I don't see color when, you, when you're on the football team all you see is you know the the jersey and the helmet and everything and you you go to battle with these guys I mean you 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 know sweat blood and tears and fight to achieve this common goal together there was no you know I never thought myself I was oh I'm this brown guy like I'm this Muslim brown guy. Like I never thought that till 9-11 hit. And then it was just like, oh my God, like I'm singled out everywhere I go. Family is singled out everywhere we go now. And that was a whole different dynamic of trying to overcome bullshit, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's, I mean, did you, ex so you mean like on the football field and off the football field, you experienced yeah. this? Oh yeah. How did you, what did what did you do to, I mean, that's a huge thing mm -hmm. to overcome. What did you do to like, to rebuild your confidence when moments like that happened, especially during nine 11? Like that's, yeah, that's, no. I mean, you, you get to a point to where I think, um, everyone that's, I don't know. I can't speak for everyone, but if you're being bullied, you got to get to a point to where, you got to put the noise aside and you got to focus on the task at hand. I think a lot of the things are you can retaliate and it be negative. You can fight back, which could be positive, negative, doesn't matter. But I think if you can, if you can put the noise aside and focus on the task, focus on just being the best version of yourself, being the best version on the field, being the best athlete. Um, you know, when it comes to receivers, route running is super important. Catching the ball is super important. Blocking is super important. And if you can, if you can just continue to focus on these little bitty things, then all that loud noise kind of just eventually just diminishes away, mm. and you become stuck, and you're not sitting there dwelling on all that kind of stuff. Would you say that like, what are some of like the key things that sports taught you? From what I'm like hearing, it sounds like discipline, teamwork, respect. You tell me. Yeah. No. Yeah, those are spot on. And do they yeah. do they bleed into your life now, or like now that you're not in sports? What every day, every day, every, every day, <laughs> every day. Um, you know, even now with raising Leia, every day it's just, you know, every time she falls down, and I'm just and she reaches for my hand, I'm like, you have to get up every time you fall down. What do we do? We get back up, you know, and she's understanding. She'll fall and, you know, and she'll look at me and I'm like, you got to get back up and she'll get back up and she'll go at it again, you know, and it's just these little things to where like you, they're instilled in sports, you know, if you fall down, if you get hit down, you got to get back up and keep fighting. And, you know, so yeah, every single day, all those values that I learned from sports and being an athlete and, you know, yeah. come into effect all the time yeah did you when did you decide i mean do you still did you want to become a professional football player like what is that well, I, 
always wanted to play sports. I never thought there was anything else. I always wanted to play in the NFL or the NBA or, or whatever. You know, about my senior year, I ruptured a hamstring and just partied a lot, and it was the end. Really? And then it another year and a half to um, pull my head out and graduate uh, with my undergrad. And then I really had to figure out what I wanted to do. So I wanted to be a sports agent. Mm. So I guess I can't play sports. I might as well represent athletes. That'd be cool. You know? So I got my master's degree. Uh, my master's degree is actually in sports and entertainment business management. And it was uh, directed towards sports. And you know, and things change from from partying hard and everything to pulling my head out and actually getting accepted into grad school. Man, I, I got my master's degree in 20 months. I had a 391 GPA. I sat in the front of class, front row, dead center, asked questions. I mean, it was it was just all books. It was all studying. It was a completely different change and I honestly don't know what switched. I know that that when I um when I finally graduated from my undergrad, I walked across that stage, I grabbed my diploma and I handed it to my mom and I was like, there you go. I did what you wanted. I graduated now leave me alone. Then I was just like, what the hell am I gonna do? I don't want to be in Oklahoma. This is the last state I'd ever want to live in and continue to live in. So moved down to Texas, got into grad school got my master's degree. I walked across the stage with my diploma and handed it to my dad. And I said, here you go. I'm done with y'all. I'm moving to Los Angeles. <laughs> I'm out of here. And I packed up my shit and I left. Yeah. Um, yeah. That That's such a big transition from being like, from doing something that's like so physical with your body that you love and that you're passionate about to now being like head in the books finishing school early like I mean you said you don't know what that switch was but I'm curious like well, the, the big switch here like when I was an undergrad man we partied a lot like we drank a lot you know and went out a lot chased girls around a lot like it was it was all fun and games but when you realize that you have to pay for school now and you have no friends around and you're an adult and you're on your own. I mean, I think that kind of speaks for itself. Like you, you have to do this. Like there's no going back home to mom and dad and being like, you know, yeah. Can I move in? Like, you know, like, yeah. So then you graduate, you do your master's, you graduate, you move to LA. Yeah. Then what happens? So I graduated my, my master's on a Saturday afternoon and I left for LA Monday morning. I pulled into the Venice Beach Pier here uh, Wednesday afternoon, and I slept in my car for about five days. Um, I got a job waiting tables and a sublet apartment in Santa Monica. Um, it took me a year to break into the industry. I had 26 or 27 interviews with every single talent agency in town, almost every single talent agency in town, all the way up through multiple interviews with the same agency. And everyone's at the same exact thing. It's like, we love your attitude, we love your resume, blah, 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 but you don't have any LA experience. I'm like, okay. So I had to swallow some pride and I took an unpaid internship at some modeling agency on the Miracle Mile uh, for about three months. And then the agent over there, uh, he had worked at APA in the 80s, so he made a phone call, and I got an interview at APA. And, um, yeah, and so I interviewed at APA with Joanne Johnson, who was the head of HR, uh, Ron Rewald, who was the director of operations. They had me meet a couple of other agents, and I'm, I'm leaving, so I'm done with all the interviews. I've been there like three hours now, maybe four. I'm going down to Valet to get my car, and APA's calling me. It's Joanne Johnson, the head of HR, and she's just like, hey, you know, I just got speaking with the other agents, and we would like to offer you a job. And I'm like, oh, fantastic. That's awesome. She's like, yeah, when can you start? And I'm like, I'm actually still in the building. <laughs> I'm still here. And she thought that was funny. She's like, no, no, no. You come in next week. We'll do the paperwork, and we'll get you started. And then I, uh, yeah, I started off in the mailroom. 
I was the oldest person in the mailroom at 27, 28 years old. Everyone else in there was 22, 23, fresh out of college here. Um, How did that affect I would, you? I, it affected me great because I was more mature. I had some confidence. I had um, you have life experience you know, behind you. Life experience. And I was only in the mailroom for 30 days. There was people in the mailroom for a year, year and a half, two years, nine months, eight months. I got out of the mailroom in 30 days. What'd you do? How'd you do that? Well, because I knew that this was a shot and I wasn't gonna let I wasn't gonna let this opportunity go to waste. So when I I would do everything that I asked, it was yes, ma'am, yes, sir, you know, no ma'am, no thank you. Like everything was just polite and 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 it was efficient. And I would I would do everything that they asked the right way and and I didn't slack. I got in trouble one day. I was in the mailroom. I was answering the phones. And I just hung up the phone and I leaned back against the table and I uh, against the table and I just kind of put my foot up there. And one of the senior agents in the lit department came in there and she ripped me a new one. I was like, I literally was doing work, hung up the phone, I had turned around just to catch like not even catch a breath, just to be like, okay, that was cool or whatever just happened. And in comes the senior agent. Uh, you know, she's a partner now, and um, fuck, she ripped into me. For doing what? For just standing there, right? Like I didn't, like you know, you're not you're not supposed you're not supposed to stand around. If you've worked in a restaurant, managers say it all the time. If you got time to lean, you got time to clean, right? Basically the same idea. She um, she went and told HR, told the DO, told all these people. I'm getting called in the office, and they're like, well, she said you were just standing there doing nothing, and I and I wasn't gonna argue it. I mean, it's context. I could have been now, and I'm like, in context, listen, I was working. She actually just caught me the second I finished doing something about to transition to the next task or whatever I need to be done, and and she got on me. Um, yeah, and she's cool with me now because I would sit next to her in the staff meetings and the and the company staff meetings, and you know, she knew there was something there. It's like she was, I don't know, maybe not then, but after the fact, I think we became friendly enough to be. She was proud that I worked for the company, but it was one of those moments like you get caught in a situation of, of just standing around doing nothing and somebody sees you and that's not the reputation you want to have. And so, um, I mean, was that like a quote unquote loss for you? Like to word it in sports terms? Absolutely. You don't, you know, absolutely. So what did you do to overcome? You know, no, you just you just keep just like before you know you just you got to learn from that mistake can't let that happen look watch your shoulder <laughs> look over your shoulder make sure make sure she's not coming your way you know <laughs> and i was scared of her for a year i was terrified of this woman yeah um uh it happened on it happened so i got assigned to a talent desk working for two agents in the talent department right there's no sports department there i just knew i had to get into the industry and i'll figure it out and I got suckered into a talent desk working for two agents. And um, that's, you know, I loved it. And so I'm a talent agent. And, um, but there was this point, um, I was sitting on one of the desks and I was setting out an appointment for one of our clients. And um, it was a callback. And I had sent her to the wrong location. And the callback, the audition was at the casting office. The callback was at either the network or studio, I don't yeah. remember. And uh, one of the, another senior agent who's in the talent department, uh, his name's Dan Bear, and I'll say his name. Um, he called me into his office and he ripped me a new one for an hour. Like my agents that I was working for were looking for me and they couldn't find me. And I was in Dan's office and he was just ripping me an asshole uh, for an hour about all, the importance of all these things. And another valuable learning lesson i failed um never again since that moment have i sent an actor or an actress to the wrong location when my assistants send out appointments i immediately look at the location <laughs> and see where they're supposed to be going until now because it's it's stuck with me and dan dan has been one of my biggest advocates ever he actually you know was trying to get me promoted to agent at apa when um when it wasn't, when it felt like it wasn't going to happen there, he spoke with Joel King and said that 
there's this young junior agent over here that you need to meet that they just keep pulling around. And, you know, he basically helped me get the job at the pool cool king that I have now. And he's still my advocate. I talk to him all the time and we shoot the shit and, you know, it's yeah. this industry. It's you're, you're, you're always learning. There's what's the beauty part about the talent industry is no two days are exactly the same. Yeah. No, never in five and a half years that I've been an agent have the two days been exactly the same yeah. every day, a new set of issues, new set of, um, resolutions for those issues, new sets of dramas, new sets of ways to handle them and everything. And yeah. Has anything so ever that, happened that like made you want to quit or like that affected oh, yeah. you in like a huge weird? <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you what, can I you talk about it? The, when I got assigned to the talent desk, um, uh, you know, I was working for two agents. One was, you know, a female, um, just to maybe a year or two younger than me. You know, she'd been straight out of college. She'd been there. She'd been an agent for a while. And the other guy was um, probably around the same age. And, um, you know, he's he's more of a flamboyantly gay male. And um, you put this Texas, Oklahoma athlete, alpha male between them. And it was just this triangle of misery. Like, like every single day was, because they were covering agents at that point in time. So they covered everything. So I'm sending out appointments, 100 to 125 appointments a day. I mean, I'm there from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. And it was, and I wanted to quit every single day. Just personality clashes? Personality clashes. Yeah. Completely. Completely. Like, I, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. So naive. Um, but, um, yeah, it was... <laughs> It was a lot of, it was a lot of fighting. It was a lot of fighting. And it was just not like yelling at each other fighting. It was like a lot of them yelling at me and me trying to explain to them in a very calmly manner <laughs> what's going on and why this is happening. Because I was, again, the night, the being so naive and thinking all the agencies did the same thing. There's a, being a APA and Cool King are night and day. Really? You know? APA, there's, there's, you have your stereotypical agents that you would think Ari Gold is from Montage. Right. You would have the assholes and the people yelling at their assistants and, you know, breaking up fights and this is my coverage, this is my client, that's your coverage, this is your client, you know? And coming to Cool King where it's just a team, you mm. know, it's just agents, full team. We represent everyone up or down the board together. We have our coverages and, there's no ego and there's no fighting like the the success of one of us is success for all of us mm. when at APA, it's a success for one of those agents is a success for one of those agents right it's the success for everybody and then there's i remember booking my first series regular maybe my second or third year there uh for bones and um i was so excited i've never booked a series regular before and um they're they're like great go, go back to your desk i was like okay all right so no one really cares right mm. now you book now you book even a guest star at pakula king or a recurring role or a series regular like we celebrate all the victories mm. like we all call the clients together we say congratulations so it's happy for you and it's a good feeling it's it's nice it feels good to have even the little bit of wins you know, which you never had when I was at APA. It just never never felt like you were winning. Even though you were, the numbers were showing, you know, you made this much for the company and this much for the clients. And the next year you outdid last year's numbers. And then the next year you outdid those numbers. So you're winning, but it was just never felt good. It sounds like it you sounds... thrive in like a team environment. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So then when you became a parent... Which was how many months? 15 months? How old's your daughter? 15 months ago. How did that affect your confidence? Because this is a brand new thing. And it's like a baby that you brought into the world. And now you have to like teach. Keep it her. alive. Yeah, keep it alive, <laughs> first of all. And then 
teach her values and confidence and all these things that you've never done before. How did, how did that affect, how did having a baby affect your confidence? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I, I don't think it affected my confidence much because it's, it wasn't, it was a team thing, you know, it's, mm. it's always me and my wife and, and um, my wife's done it before. She, we have, I have a 13 year old stepdaughter um, and it was just following her lead, you know, and learning from just watching her and going over the things. And now it's so crazy. It's because like before, like before Instagram and stuff, you could, you didn't, you'd have to go buy a book or whatever. Right, right? now that, accounts designed to toddler tantrums and all these things and you start following these and you start learning like i need to understand like what phase this is so you know i don't even remember the name of the book it's around here somewhere but um the book all dads get when they're expecting you know um and and it explains what mom's going through the first trimester what mom's going what's happening with the baby there then it goes into you know, the first month or two. And then it, it explains to you basically like, yeah, the first month, good luck hanging out with the baby. She's going to be attached to mom. Like there's no, you know, there's no playing. There's no fun stuff yet. I mean, it's going to be a lot of sleeping and a lot of energy being drained from Sarah and all this kind of stuff. So reading all these books, like I, I took all these books to Barcelona. I was reading them on the plane. I was reading them at the beach. I was reading them on the pool. Like, when I, you know, before the baby was born, um, which is good, which is great because, you know, you kind of get a good idea of what to expect. And it's kind of like studying film. Yeah. So if you're, you know, watching film on what defenses do and everything, it's kind of the same of just kind of being prepared. And, you know, I think Kobe said it best. Kobe said something like, you know, I was never worried when I got onto the court, you know. Because I know that I spent countless hours till midnight, one, two o'clock in the morning, watching tape and preparing and being ready for it, you know, being up at four o'clock, heading to the gym, you know, being ready. Like, I was never worried when I stepped on the court because I knew I was, I out prepared everybody. And just getting those books and being able to read them and, and truly understand, like, what the situation is going to be. Because when I, when the baby came out, like all right let's play right it's daddy time let's play no 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 No, she is she didn't want anything to do with me for a month maybe month and a half two months you know and that make you sad yeah it made me sad it's like (laughs) i'm just just gonna hang out here i know yeah and and i would and it was great you know it's great in hindsight it's great now because she's born in november and for the first three months i mean i was living my own life basically i would go to work i was you know, the pandemic didn't hit us till March 13th. Right. And then March 13th, you know, she's almost four months old and I'm home all the time. So now I have, I can, I have the ability to develop this relationship with this child. Yeah. And, you know, the first three months, she probably, you know, didn't know who I was, you know, I'm yeah. um, just that figure that's always there coming and leaving in the mornings and nights. Yeah. And now, like home every single day and every single second I'm with her and um, it's different. Yeah. In that respect, it's like bittersweet, this, this like isolation and, and being home all the time because had this not happened, not have happened, meaning like COVID, you wouldn't have all this like one-on-one time with her, you know? Right. I mean, that's my silver lining. Absolutely. I mean, I know people are, losing their jobs and dying and and shit's not going right for a lot of people yeah. but I kind of chose to think of the bright side of what I had to deal with and not worry about everything and it was fantastic for me yeah. I mean I was home with her all the time when we lived closer by the water we would walk to the beach we'd go on five mile walks every single day um hang out all the time breakfast lunch dinner you know and it was fantastic now we're just now we go to the park every single morning and um play and you know I'm, and i'm always here and it's yeah I, 
I hope it translates to when she's older and our relationship continues to be strong. And yeah. um, but it's it is fa- fantastic. Like, I, I mean, COVID happened and it's a shitty fucking thing. And yeah. but man, it's last year was probably the best year of my life when it comes to my relationship with Leia. So yeah. yeah, what are like, what are some things that you want to instill in her? whether or not they were instilled in you like was there something that wasn't instilled in you that you wish was or vice versa i have to do it behind my my wife's back because my wife is anti like ego and machoism and like you know yeah no and my wife's it's okay to lose you know what i mean i think i think if i was to instill I mean, winning is everything. I think that's what I'll say to her behind her back. You have to win. Everything. Winning is everything. But in real life, it's like, you know, you losing's okay. Right. Losing, losing is very valuable. Um, if you're learning from it, like I said earlier, yeah. I think, uh, you know, not letting the losses get to you like it did for me on days on end to where it just couldn't shake it to be able to, you know, be a good sportsmanship and mm-hmm. be willing to learn and understand what happened and get better and continue to get better. I think that's probably going to be one of the most important lessons. Yeah. That's a good one. What has she, has she taught you anything? I mean, she's 15 months old, but patience, patience. Did you not have patience before? Not like this, (laughs) (laughs) not like this, not like this. Yeah. It is, you know, patience it's like feeding her and everything gets yeah. food gets everywhere and yeah you know, just hanging out and and she's and she's trying to communicate she's trying to communicate you know saying that the words that she can she's trying and to be patient enough to sit there and she'll grab me by the hand and she'll take me to the room and she'll be like look what honey did and you know she'll and she'll be like you know and i'll be like oh man honey tore up your toy i see what's going on and just been like you know, before maybe I'm like, what? Stop. Right. Stop crying. Stop crying. Stop crying. And now you can't do that to a child, right? Right. right? So now it's like so patient. So the baby's like, why are you crying? Let's go find it out. Like, you know, and just being able to be patient with the whole situation is probably something I never thought I would have. Yeah. That's, you only yeah. grew you grew up with the brother only? No, I have two brothers. Oh, okay. Right. And the day after my 21st birthday, my parents had a girl. So I have a sister. She's 17. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, she is. If we're talking about her, I'm talking about confidence. She's confidence with her because she is a badass. Really? She is a sophomore in high school, a junior in high school. And she is taking, she's got two classes at university. Um, psychology and calc and she her her goal is to have enough credits when she graduates high school to be considered a sophomore when she gets enrolled into college hell yeah and huh said hell yeah yeah i mean she is she's so freaking smart it's unbelievable and she's got all the confidence in the world i mean she was like one of these first girls that fell in love with bts the korean boy band group right mm-hmm. and she was and then my brothers would make fun of her like what are you doing with these korean boys like why why and she'd be like mind your own business like this is who i like mm-hmm. i'm not talking about who you like and she's 13 years old talking like this right like, you know you know she's got all the confidence in the world so just like found her voice at a young age it sounds like she did yeah she did well she had, she had three brothers right so. <laughs> yeah that yeah 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 is routine a big part of your life? You seem like somebody who like wakes up at the same time every day. You go to the gym, you do the thing, go to the gym. Like is routine and structure important to you? Absolutely. We're yeah. so, just so you know, me and you are like opposite. I think the most important thing about routine and structure is, is, is doing things right. I think what happens is when I wake up in the morning, and just taking the little things, right? You start, you, you you brush your teeth for two full minutes, right? Instead of your 30 second brush and spit and get Do out. Do you of time it. yourself? 
Well, the toothbrush is electric at times. Oh, itself. right, right, okay. Right? So I'm not all high tech. I have like just yeah, your standard. I mean, yeah. But like, but like making the bed, you know, like so let's talk about before baby. So it was it was getting up really early, five fifty every single day, brushing teeth, making the bed, and heading off to the gym. You know, like I think starting off with these little tasks, doing things right from the very get go, just kind of sets the day up throughout. Yeah. So my workouts were also structured Monday, Tuesday, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday was all structured. So when I got to the gym, I knew exactly what I was doing, where I was going, how long I had, boom. And then before, before the baby was born, I, w- I was showering at the gym and, and straight off to work. Um, then when Sarah got pregnant, I was going to the gym and then coming home, having breakfast and then heading and getting dressed at home and going off to work. But these little things to, to not just to do things, but to do them right, I think just kind of built on getting mentally ready for the day. What does that mean, getting, do them right? You know, like, you don't just throw your pillows and your blanket over your bed and call it a made bed. Oh, okay, okay. Like, you, you do the sheets and you tuck them in and you, you fuck Like, if you're going to do the thing, then do the do thing fully. Do the thing fully. Right, right? okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah. And... Um, so yeah, so everything was structured. Everything is is timed and structured. And um, and if I didn't go to the gym one day or missed the gym because something went wrong, dude, I, was a, I would be a bitch the rest of the day. Like yeah, but you like was, you still have to go to work and like you still have yeah. to talk to people and like do things. So what happens if you miss part of your routine? Like you just have to deal with it, I guess. I mean, it it does affect you, but. When you get to work, the game it's game time, you know. You you're, you know, you're, so, you're, you're such a sportsman. You might have bad games and you know, bad days, but you gotta keep going, you gotta keep doing it. I love that. I mean, being an agent is tough, right? Yeah. I mean, we're not just trying to deal with um getting actors opportunities to get jobs, but you're dealing with actors, you know, and actors are a different breed of human beings. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so I was like, me and, and you are so different. And and it's not like you're dealing with the same act type of actor or same group of actors. I mean, you could be on the phone with somebody that's 25 years old, hang up and have to be on the phone and change dynamic and demeanor. Right. With somebody that's 60 years old. Right. And then back again, it's 45 years old, you know, and then from male to female to, you know, African-American to Latin and like you're just, Every every phone call is just a different phone call. Every scenario and situation is just a completely different scenario and situation. And so when once you start, once you get into the office and everything's going, you kind of kick it into gear. And you know, you're not worried about missing the gym in the morning, even though you feel like shit. And, well, that's like, and you have to deal with like networks too, right? And studios yeah. and like, and that's yeah. a different breed too than like yeah. an actor or creative type um yeah. so you really have to that's a good point i never thought of it like that you yeah, really have to I like think, i think the i think it's really cool the way that we split up our coverage of cool king is that we all have a third of we, we split it up by casting directors so we all cover the third right so i have my third no matter what they put out tv or film so i developed that relationship with that casting director no matter what Got so it. now five years in I know who's short with me and I know who I can have a conversation with and I know who will respond to this type of actor, this type of pitch or who won't respond to this. I know who not to bother and I know who I can't bother and, and it just goes that way. So it's like when it comes to dealing with different personalities and stuff like your, you kind of get the flow of who these types of people are, at least you think you do, you know, you know, you're talking to them on the phone and, responding back and forth in emails. Some of them are texting, you know? Some of them you wouldn't dare text. (laughs) Like, Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if I was an agent, I could never be an agent. I would be, I take everything so personally that if someone Uh, like didn't put an exclamation point or like wasn't like at the end of a sentence or something, I'd be like, oh my God, they're mad at me. Like, or if someone was short in an email with me, I'd be like, oh my God, what did I do? Like, I would never be able to do it. I'm too sensitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, you have to have a thick skin. That's yeah, for certain. And none of it's personal. It's none of it is personal. Right. You know. I think unless I... you 
I guess I kind of I've I've definitely learned that nothing's personal, but I guess yeah. just thinking of being an agent would be so hard and scary for me. Yeah. What yeah. is a piece of advice that like you've been given that has stuck with you, or have you ever been given a piece of advice or like words of wisdom or guidance? I have so many like motivational quips that I use throughout, and then you ask me the question, I'm like. Duh. But where did you find them? Like through people or through books? My dad, through athletes, you know. Was... Do you read a lot? Yes. Well, before I became an agent, I used to read. When I became an agent, all I read is scripts. And it's so hard to find time to read something that I want to read. Like I was reading baby books on vacation because that was just the time. And ever since then, it's just been script after script after script. And it's like... I never have real time to between work, baby, and right to read a real book. Do you, listen, nice to, do you listen to like book. sports podcasts and stuff? No, yeah. I listen to sports radio on my way to work in the mornings, yeah. but I haven't gone away here, so yeah, I've literally worked from home for a year almost a year. March will be a year. I know, but isn't it wild? We're coming up on March, we're coming up on a year, and it's super crazy. I have so many good motivational quotes and I can't think of a single one. I thought you would have them like, because it's so sports, like motivational quotes feel like such a sports thing. There's, there's one thing I used to, so my younger brother, Omar, he had moved out here to LA about five years ago. He only spent about three years out here, but there was one thing that I used to tell him every single day, every single day before I went to work, I'd be like, goodbye. Like I'll see you later if he left the house, I was just like, just be better. And it was so simple. And I don't remember where I heard it from, but it was just be better. And, and I say that to my little sister, I say to my brother, it's just whatever you are going to go do, just be better about it. Like decision, be better decision maker. Like don't get in trouble. Right. You know, be better than you were, you were yesterday. Be, be better than anything. Yeah. Okay. And every, just be better. So if I continue to just say, be better, right? Over and over and over again. It's kind of like saying, I love you over and over again. Like you'll, you'll just get it. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. hopefully my brother, you know, who was seven years younger than me. He, he was, he was out here partying and doing his whole thing and everything. And it's just like coming home late night and, you know, just getting to a point to where he was lost in the world and didn't know what he wanted to do. And then he finally figured out his, um, path and stuff and I was just like just be better just you got to be better whatever you're doing just be better at it you know whatever is going on just be better and um yeah I hope I hope it's stuck with him he's doing good he, he moved back to Oklahoma so god knows what's going on <laughs> I've never but, been to Oklahoma <laughs> don't go, don't go. <laughs> okay yeah. I'm gonna recap the notes that I've taken uh on Tamer's tips, Tamer's tips for confidence. Are you ready? For confidence, yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay, um, be prepared. I feel like the overall theme before I rattle these off is like working hard. Would you like? I feel like if you, you like your the big takeaway that I have from this hour is like put the work in to be yeah. better. Right. Yeah, that's like the theme. Okay, be prepared. Work ethic have goals, learn from not winning. Uh, if you're not learning, I loved this. If you're not learning from loss, then you're losing twice. Holy yep. shit. That's fucking, that's a good quote. Mentorship and community. It seems like teamwork is really important to you. And that like is an area that you can thrive in. Like when you have that support, um, mm -hmm. put the noise aside and focus on the task. That was a really good quote too. be the best version of yourself, discipline, teamwork, respect, Learn from your failures. Celebrate your wins. Uh, losing can be valuable if you learn. Find a routine that helps you and be better. Yeah, there we go. I said all that? Yeah, you said all that. <laughs> These are all my notes from you. Look at that. I'm a note taker too. Uh, thanks so much for giving me an hour of your time. I know you're, you're a busy man, so I appreciate it. I wish we could have done this earlier. Yeah, I know. What happened? Wow. Well, Baby happened. 
uh, a baby, a pandemic, uh, what else? A baby, yeah. uh, Many things. I love, I love using her as an excuse. Dude, I got a baby. Yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't do that. I have a baby. Or oh, now you can be like, I can't do that. I don't feel safe. I feel safe. <laughs> I don't feel safe. It's a safe pandemic. Yeah. Uh, cool. Thanks so much. Yeah, of course. Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? I love to hear from listeners about what has helped you build your confidence, whether it's a favorite book or a mantra or maybe an event you went through. Leave it in the review section for me to check out. And you can also leave in the review section any topics that you would like discussed on the show. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much.